take a moment, shall we, and lift our hearts with our hands. Talk to him. Oh God, I praise you. And I thank you for this day of life and strength and good health and your many blessings, oh God. Let your hand be upon us. Help us to do the great will of the almighty God, to go forward in the power of your might. I thank you and I praise you and I worship you, dear God. I bless your name. Jesus' name. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. You have a Bible this morning. Very glad to see you here. And to, you know, it's nice to feel spirit of cooperation and harmony. Uh, the enemy would like to, you know, disrupt that. He literally hates people who are obedient and submissive in his subjection. He hates that. And uh, But I don't really care what the devil hates, you know. It's, uh, I know in casting out a devil one time, I told him, I said, you, you chose wrong. <laughs> you chose wrong. And uh, tried to tried to snap at me. But the Lord knows how to protect his children. Get used to the devil snapping at you, I can tell you that. He's, uh, he's not a happy camper. I'm in the book of Acts. And um, I'm turning to chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 2. Then the twelve, that would be the apostles, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason, that means there's no reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. I'm going to tell you right there, that pretty much states the need of the church, not the number so much, but men, as it says here, of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. 
and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose, oh, you can look for this, then there arose, you know, God's going to do something, and when God's going to do something, and God's working with people who are working with him, is, is the word is contrary in the Bible, but then there is that opposite of that, which is cooperation. And so, you know, when, when we cooperate with God, when we work with God, uh, we get in at one with God. Uh, we make atonement. We get at one with God. Then you can look for the enemy to try to disrupt that. Okay? And there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. These were other churches or sects or dial, uh, groups that, uh, uh, denominations, if you please. Verse 10, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he, Stephen, spake. But they didn't stop there. Then they subur suborned men, which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders, and the scribes, and came upon him, and caught him, and brought him to the council, and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth, ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place, and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all they that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, or Stephen, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Everybody said, praise the Lord. I want to minister for a little while on no reason to dispute. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The, uh, one of the things, one of the, Wonderful things, characteristics of the Holy Ghost, of our Jesus, is he is not only, or in addition to, shall I say, is he the mighty God, the everlasting Father. But he is also, along with being wonderful and counselor, and you know it's nice to have a wonderful counselor. It's nice to be able to uh, hear what you need to hear and to be told it by somebody that has your best interests at heart. And uh, the Lord here, in addition to these things that he is, he's also the Prince of Peace. And to let the peace of God rule in your heart is a marvelous thing. That he can calm every troubled sea. He can quieten down the raging waves and the tumultuous uh, seas. And even one place talked about waves, raging waves, foaming out of their own shame. So there are spirits, and you and I, we have to keep our hearts. We've got to guard our hearts. And I'm going to tell you that um, some people put a lot of faith and in things that I think we would best better to put our faith in him. Um, I've known of people that are supposed to have this experience, and they will get mad at somebody 
also having this experience. If that person puts their faith in God, trusts in the Lord, I've seen people get mad about that. I had a, a sister in the Lord, a very wonderful woman in the Lord, solid, spiritual, godly, good personality, loves God, proven, been in the church a good long time. And uh, I asked her, I said, um, how are you feeling? Everything all right? I mean, I hadn't seen her in a long, long time. And uh, they labor in a different part of the world. And she said, yeah, um, good. And I said, well, I know you had a battle with some low blood sugar and a few things like that, related things. She said, no, I got everything leveled out. Sugar's good. Everything's good. And uh, she said, everything natural. Just hanging in there. And um, she said, but you'd be surprised uh, the opposition that we've come against because trusting the Lord. Well, actually, it's like I told somebody the other day, uh, watchman on the wall questioned, what of the night? What of the night? And he said, in other words, what do you see out there? What's happening? And uh, he said, I see a lion. Well, allow me a little fun right now, okay? Duh. Of course there's a lion out there. <laughs> that should not come as any great revelation. We know that there's a devil out there. You know it? We know that. And we're, we should be well-versed and well-educated spiritually in that. We know he's out there in the night. We know he's going to and fro roaring lion that he is, seeking whom he may devour. He's not coming around for any other reason. He's not coming to wish you happy birthday. You know, He's not coming to give you a pat on the back and, and tell you, way to go, you're hanging in there for God. No, he's not doing that. He's not doing that at all. He's coming to devour. He's coming to devour. I told you the account of the little congregation in a country in Africa. And the uh, there was a rogue lion. It had been attacking people in villages and uh, devouring them. And uh, there was a lot of fear among the people. And so this particular day, missionary, the laborer, he had trained up and appointed a man there of good report, faithful man, cooperative man, somebody behind, somebody going to be right in there, and uh, he's having service. And you know, it's a kind of a building that it's almost more like a pavilion. And uh, all of a sudden, they realize that having come into the courtyard, kind of, is this lion. And he's out there in the courtyard, and he's roaring. And the people are trying to have church. And they now they're going to fight a spirit of fear. And uh, they said it was a bright... In a beautiful day, blue sky, sun shining, just having church. And here's this lion, this rogue lion, right there in their, what we call Ballywick, or their territory, their church territory. And he's roaring. And many of the people are fearful and concerned. And the preacher's trying to preach. The trained young preachers trying to preach. And uh, all of a sudden, he leads the people in prayer because of this lion. And 
Suddenly, on this bright blue, sunshiny day, comes a bolt of lightning out of the sky. Strikes the lion. He falls over dead. The people are praising God and worshiping God, and they're so excited. And so this great miracle is taking place. And so the young minister had some of the faithful men go grab the lion by his mane and pulled him in to the church house. And the preacher stepped up on him and preached from the carcass of the dead lion. And how the people rejoiced. How they rejoiced for the victory that God had given. You know, I'm trying to tell you something, church family. There's no reason to dispute. There's no reason to let, you've got to guard your heart. Don't let the enemy put fear into your heart when God is saying, let the peace of God rule in your heart. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Don't turn your back on me. Don't dispute me. Don't argue with me. Don't go contrary to me. I, I'm your friend. And you want to be able to say that you're the friend of God. You know? The Bible teaching you here that the church, the only church that Jesus ever started, for everybody, everywhere, is up and it's running, it's operational, it's reaching into their town by any and all means, trying to affect people for the good, trying to advertise this truth and this message. And in so doing, the Scripture teaches that, of course, among the congregation here at Jerusalem, at the Mother Church, where better to strike, the, uh, a, a dispute comes up, kind of like a dissatisfaction. You know, some of these, in this case, women, sometimes it's the men, but in this case, Acts chapter 6, it was the women. And they, uh, the Bible said that the, there arose a murmuring, verse 1, a murmuring. And it was two groups. It was those that were considered to be the Greeks and those who were considered to be the Hebrews. And, you know, once again I want to say and drive it into your heart that when you come to the truth, when you come to the knowledge of the truth and you experience the born-again experience by one spirit, are you baptized into one body? Makes us all one in Christ. So, we don't need to allow what the Bible calls divisions among us. 1 Corinthians. We don't want there to be divisions among us. The enemy would like to make divisions among us. But we want to unite over His name. That's above every name. His name is Jesus. We want to unite over His church, the one He started, the only one He ever started. We want to unite over one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We want to unite over these things. That we're all one in Christ. Now, there are people that claim this truth, that try to teach and preach a Gentile church versus a Jewish church, and do that in the face of the Scriptures screaming that there's one church, just one. And it's neither, quoting, Jew nor Greek or Gentile. But we're all one in Christ. But there, like a young preacher called me, and uh, don't even know if he knew at that time he was going to preach, but he was in Bible class, called me from Bible college that evening, and he said, 
the professor is keeps referring to the Gentile church. And he said, and I know that you have said that there is no such thing. The Bible doesn't teach it. He said, what do I do? And I said, well, what you do is, number one, you be very polite. And as you're in the class, you raise your hand at some point, at an opportune moment when you see that it's proper. And I said, when you raise your hand, and hopefully the professor will acknowledge you. And when he does, just say, sir, i am uh, got my Bible open and I've been following along as you've been teaching and making notes and what have you. said, um, could you help me? I can't find the term Gentile church. Where is that? What chapter and verse? I'd like to mark it. And the answer from the professor, because the, the young man went ahead and did this, as I told him to do it, and the answer that the professor gave in front of the whole class to this young man was, you use lots of terms that aren't in the Bible. Hmm. Now, you know, that sounds like denominations to me over things like Trinity. You know, three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent all kinds of words and phrases that are not in the Scripture. That this same professor has debated many times and made the statement many times. It's not in the Scripture. But then he turns right around and he's got his hobby horse. And that's how he answered this young man. Now, you know, we've got to be true. We've got to be consistent. And we've got to have a right spirit. Create in me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. We've got to keep our hearts here, church family. We've got to keep our hearts with all diligence. All diligence. And so we've got to guard because there's an enemy. He wants to make divisions. He wants to cause arguments. He wants to make the disputes. Yeah. And uh, I had to tell somebody not too long ago, and I have to often remind Sometimes. Uh, Peter did say to stir up your remembrance by your your pure mind by way of remembrance. And uh, so uh, the Bible said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. If you want to see God, you're going to be a peacemaker. No reason. We've got this. Dispute going on. We've got this argument going on. We've got this debate going on. We've got this complaint. I was riding down here and turned right at the end and heading to Avenue A. And uh, it was last night, I think it was probably about, I don't know, 7.30. Still daylight. And uh, Uncle Dwight was closing up shop. And uh, I just kind of waved it by the window. And he uh, kind of indicated me to put the window down, so I did. And he, he made, you know, hello, how you doing, all that. And I, I said, I'm doing good, man. It's good to see you. And uh, I said, how are you doing? He said, no complaints. I said, you need to come to church. I said, because having people around that have no complaints, that's a good thing. I said, so you just come on down. And so, so he, uh, he laughed, and he, I said, you know, I preach that the 11th commandment is thou shalt not complain. Oh, he roared and laughed over that one. And uh, so I said, so you just come on down. He goes, I'm working on it. I said, okay. I said, and I'm working on you. <laughs> kind of like the guy at the radio station this morning. When I got done preaching, and, you know, I'm here, and he's, he's closer to me than Artie. It's, I mean, he's just across the width of a desk. And he's looking at me, and I'm preaching. And, uh, and so I, when I finished up today, and he's got the music on, the mic now is not live. And so I told him thank you, and I said, I always enjoy working with you. I said, it's always very smooth working with you. He, I dubbed him RG3. And um, so 
he, uh, he said, I, I'm coming as I turned and I was walking out. I'm going to come. I'm coming down to the church. Because, you know, I've been inviting him for a long time. And I said, okay. I said, I'm looking for you. I said, I'll, I'll, you'll make my day. You do that. So uh, we want to, we don't want to make divisions. We don't want to make disputes. We don't want to make arguments. We don't want complaints. And we've got to guard ourselves against those things. We've got to, I, I knew of one congregation at that time was in another state was very successful. And the preacher said one of the reasons is because whatever the preacher says, the pastor says, he said, we all get behind it. He said, we rally behind him. We get good enthusiasm. We work with it. You know, we have a lot of reason to cooperate. We have a lot of reason to work with this program. God has never done us wrong. And he never will do us wrong. You can count on that. You can trust in that. I like what the Apostle Paul said. They'll always, you know, there'll always be a they. They said. It'll always be the they. And uh, Paul said, after the way which they call heresy. Well, heresy means, literally, that you take a different viewpoint. You know, well, this is the way I see it. Or it looks like this to me. Whatever. You know. that's, that's, that's the beginnings, if you're not careful, of being a heretic, giving over your, yourself over to heresy. That's where the the uh, folks that went out from us and wound up surfaced in Rome. And uh, truly, I believe that what happened was God flushed the toilet, and when He did, whoosh, <laughs> out went those that were of the contrary attitude and were disputing and arguing and complaining and taking issue and opposite sides and all of that. And they were constantly telling the apostles who were eyewitnesses of his glory and his majesty and had the experience that they had telling them that it ought to be this way. And that's why you have Galatians and Ephesians in particular because that element, I, I think that uh, Brother Jaime here would tell you, if you get a little bit of sugar or a little bit of uh, dirt into your fuel injection system, that you're going to have problems. You're going to be driving along. You know. <laughs> you're going to look like a bobblehead. You know. and, and it's because it's a foreign element is introduced into your fuel system. And it begins to clog up the works. And consequently affects negatively the smoothness, what should be a smoothness, of the running of your automobile. And now it's not running smoothly. Something's wrong. And that's why they put in filters. Okay? You know the Holy Ghost is a filter. You know the Holy Ghost will filter out junk out of your heart and out of your system. Oh, yes, it will. Oh, yes, it will. And you just, you know, it just stops that. That's what an oil filter does, too. All of the gunk and the junk collect down, because it's heavier, it collects down into the bottom of that filter. And that's why... Whenever you change your oil, you should change your filter. It's just the way it is. And uh, there's times when you have to change your air filter. And there's I haven't been working at oil well lately. As a young man, I did that way down in my teens. But, um, and there's fuel filters. And these are things that men like Jaime, and give you a plug today, brother. Uh, men like Jaime and, and others that... These are things that they check, usually right away. That's the place you start at. 
And sometimes that's the first place you start. That's the first place it's at. That that fuel filter or that air filter is dirty. And it's causing the what should be flowing smoothly not to be able to. And it's affecting everything else. And so, you know, the Bible also used the terminology in Hebrews not to forsake the assembling of yourselves. We are an assembly. We are like an engine. We are assembled together. The Bible teaches that we are bone and we are marrow and we are joints. We are ligaments. And we are fitly framed together. God didn't do this haphazardly. You're not a mistake. You're here because God brought you here. He places you or us in the body of Christ. He fills us with the Holy Ghost. Only he can do that. All right. And he did say, I go to prepare a place for you. There's a place for you in the body of Christ. It's reserved for you. It's got your name on it. Nobody else can fit that place. Okay, nobody else can fit that place. That's yours. And if you never fill it, or you do like that whole contrary, disputing, arguing, complaining, uncooperative, con he that is of the contrary part, devil, who said, I don't like my place. I'm not happy with my estate that you've given to me. A dissatisfaction, a dispute, a division begin to take place in heaven. Now, if it can happen in heaven, well, I'm quite sure it can happen down here. And, uh, and so, you know, the Lord, uh, he had to deal with that spirit. And I'm sure, knowing the Lord, that he was patient, he was long-suffering, and he was in hopes that he could get this worked out in this person's heart. Because you know what? If a butterfly, if a butterfly flaps its wings in China, eventually we're going to feel the effect of that over here. That seems odd, doesn't it? But what you've got to realize is that under the ocean, a wave can take place. And it can trigger a tsunami halfway across the world. Bring floods to the coast of Japan or to the coast of Hawaii. So, what you say, what you do, has an effect. So, we want our words. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Let my meditation be right and acceptable. Because it's all going to have an effect. I've told young fathers and young mothers, I said, you better remember, everything you do, that child is going to mimic it. And every inch you give, that child eventually will take a mile. Now, I've revised that. Every, every got to go metric, right? Every centimeter that you give, that child is going to take kilometers, not just a mile, but many miles. Okay. So if you, if you cock this eyebrow, I can't do it. It's, I have to do mine manually. But, uh, but if you do that, if you have a certain look, a certain reaction, that child's going to see that. 
And pretty soon that child's going to be got the same eyebrow going on. You know, he might even be talented enough to have both of them going on, or alternate them, or whatever. You know, it's amazing what they can come up with. You know, I saw uh, Tamia smile the other day, and I looked at that and I said, "Well, there's Tom right there. <laughs> there's Tom." And uh, by the way, my wife has already found the name for your son. So you know, we're doing our part, you know. Okay, just thought we'd mention that. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Oh, brother. You know we love you folks, and we think about you day and night. We pray about you all the time. You can find me sometimes at 3 in the morning sitting in a chair praying, calling your name. So if you come by my house and you hear that, that's what's going on. <laughs> sometimes I can't sleep. So I've got to talk to God about you. And... Uh, I'm, I'm praying that you'll sleep. How's that? <laughs> I can't get some, can't get my own. I told one guy, I said, well, you got your situation fixed. I said, now you've got to pray and help me get my situation fixed. All right. So everybody said, hallelujah. hallelujah. Oh, that's all right. It did say something about preferring your brother. Oh, I'm trying to put your best interests ahead of my best interests, okay? All right. So I'm saying Satan wasn't happy. He complained, kicked up. And uh, until finally he got kicked out. God said, all right, that's, I've gone as far as I'm going here, and you're out of here. Well, you know, he's not going to just go away quietly. <laughs> and you watch people who backslide, back up on things. They, they don't go away quietly. They, they always want to affect somebody else. And that's where you got to guard your heart. you got to be careful. Because, um, again, I will tell you, a simple thing that maybe can illustrate the point. You should never kiss a child on the mouth because adults have strep throat in their mouth. Okay? They have the potential of it there. And uh, you're an adult, so you have stronger immune system. You should. And uh, if you kiss that child on the mouth and you communicate that strep into that baby who is so little, then you make a big problem for that child. So, you know, you want to keep it to the cheek or something like that. And uh, I know one time we were in a restaurant, and I know that the server meant well, but, brother, when she puckered up towards that little child, uh, we all went nuts. <laughs> we were grabbing that kid like a football and running away. No, 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 no. <laughs> no kissy, no kissy. <laughs> So anyway, so we live in a world, you know, where there's a lot of germs and, and there's a lot of uh, E. coli and things going on and, and you have to be a little more guarded. Well, spiritualize that. You have a spiritual heart and it's the seat of your thoughts. It's the seat of your intellect and your emotions. And you've got to realize that Satan was thrust out of heaven. Jesus said, I beheld him, you know, fall as lightning to the earth. And he set in to make havoc, to make a mess, to do what he does. Because he's hateful. He's hateful. And he doesn't want you happy. He doesn't want you saved. He doesn't want you blessed. He doesn't want you obedient. Guess why? Because he's not any of those things. That's why. He lost all those things. He gave up those things. He turned his back on those things. And it does not say it verbatim, quote unquote, but it teaches it. Misery loves company. Misery loves company. And the devil is miserable. And he, I told one young preacher in training, I said, let me tell you something. I said, the only one that's going to be happy about this situation is the devil. Because he comes to pluck up what's planted. Okay? That's what he comes to do. And when I see God put somebody's life together, I see God begin to build a life and a family and just putting things together so wonderfully like God does through his church. I told one individual, I said, the law came by Moses. Grace and truth 
came by Jesus Christ. And I said, and you came by Senior Pastor Phelps. Now you say, well, you should. Yeah, I said it. And I'll say it again. Okay? Because God gives certain things into the ministry's hands. You can fight that. You can hate that. You can get ugly with that. But you better tell yourself that that spirit is not of him that's calling you. That attitude is of him that is against you and is against God and is against everything that is right, that you can wind up identifying with the wrong thing. The Bible talked about the mark of God. It also talks about the mark of the beast. Now, whose mark are you going to wind up having in the final analysis? You better decide that you're going to guard your heart that you're not going to let the enemy introduce some kind of filth and trash and garbage into your system to where the blood's not flowing and where it's not, your arteries are getting hard and it's not enabling the, the Spirit of God and the blood of God to carry away the filth and the trash that the enemy is trying every day to introduce into your life and your system. You've got to be on guard. You've got to be on guard. You've got to sharpen up here. You've got to realize, ooh, I don't feel very good. Well, where does that come from? Where does that come from? What's the source here? Why am I acting this way? Why am I taking this attitude or this point of view? Why did they start saying that we need to go back the way it used to be? Or we need to go backwards. Why did they do that? Because they were looking at it from a different point of view. Now, the challenge for you and I, and I remember when it happened in my life, is to crawl up into the God's mind and see things through His eyes, see things from His point of view. That's the challenge. I want to see things the way God sees things. I want to learn to love the things that God loves. I want to learn about Him and His ways. I, I remember preaching as a very young preacher. My pastor had asked me, off the cuff, of course, to preach that night. And um, there was a young couple Back in those days, we called them hippies, and that's what God delivered us from, hippiedom. <laughs> My wife and I are ex-hippies, and, and uh, that was the thing that was going on in the late 60s and early 70s. And um, we, we were delivered from that. Well, this couple was there, and, and I felt a burden for them, and I wanted to reach them. And it was congregation was well attended that night. And when I got done preaching, made the altar call and everything, Later on, my pastor called me into his office, and I came in, he goes, Brother Feld, he said, I don't know what you believe about that chapter and verse. And I said, hold it! I said, Brother Dunn, I said, whatever you believe about that chapter and verse, that's what I believe. Now, what is it that we believe? <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to take care of that. I want to nip that right in the bud. You know, I wasn't going to let that build up to any problem. And that changed the whole tenor of the, of the, of the uh, conference in the office right then. And uh, he began to tell me. And uh, the correct point of view on that particular chapter and verse and subject matter. Yes, sir. That's it. That's, that's the way I believe it. And I believe it from that second to right now. And I plan to believe it right up going into the first resurrection. Don't ever let that change. I remember one time that um, I was going off to preach. And Brother Dunn said, what are you going to preach? And so I told him what I had to lead on, what I thought I had to lead on. And he said, they don't need that. I said, okay. And I've never preached that since then. And that's probably been 38 years ago. Never preached it. I won't go near that. I'll leave that alone. I read it. That's nice. And I keep right on reading. <laughs> I believe it, but I don't mess with it. And, uh, you know, it's just best to get in alignment 
it, it, once again, better to have your, your car in alignment, right, honey? It's, it's, it's so much better than, you know, you find yourself going this way, you know. And so you're fighting the wheel, and you find yourself going this way, you know. You really want to be right in the middle, don't you? Especially if you're on the two lane. My wife hates the two lane. And uh, I can only go that way when she's not with me. I think she has a sneaky suspicion anyway. You know that gifts of suspicion stuff. So um, anyway, I'm saying we want to be in alignment with God. We want to be in alignment with his word. And there are forces. There are forces that try to knock us out of alignment. Okay? They, they, when you go and have your... I had a, somebody tell me the other day they, had to take their, they have to take their truck in to get in line. And um, when you go, they have a manual. has standards in it that will you, they'll align your front end of your vehicle to what the standards in the book are. Okay, we've got a book here. It's the Bible. And it has standards in it. And you and I have to come in alignment with the standards of God. And so I'm saying to you, these folks, these people that would, they started going back to philosophy. They started going back to religious ways. They started going back to old thinking, carnal thinking, worldly thinking. Thinking that wasn't based on solid, sound doctrine. And consequently, as I said, you know, there's a, there's a power flush, and the Lord just hit the power flush, and he washed those folks out. And the sewer system went straight to Rome, and they whoop, popped up in Rome. And all this filthy, nasty, gunky, junky stuff surfaced in Rome. And they got with the emperor, his old nasty spirit, and he wanted his own way of doing things. And uh, the spirit that was on him. And so they joined ranks and harmony together. And they eventually confederated and became known as the Royal Crown Cola. No, <laughs> as the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, that's history. In about 325 A.D. And once they took that different point of view from the church, the church that Jesus started, the only church he ever started. Then it spawned. The enemy got on. This is how the enemy rolls. He got on a roll. And next thing you know, division came up from within their ranks, and a guy pops up, and out of him comes the next denomination. And then, same thing, and it kept replicating and replicating and replicating until you know what happens. Something can get so bad that MRSA develops. There's no, they don't have any antibiotic that can take care of it. They don't have anything strong enough to deal with it. The Bible even said that after the first and second admonition to reject such a one. Now, I realize that's pretty stiff teaching, but it's in the Bible. And what was being conveyed is, to me anyway, is that after a while, you got to get the message somebody doesn't want to do right. Somebody doesn't want to get in alignment. Somebody doesn't want to see things from God's point of view and with the church, and they're taking issue, and you got to move on. The church has to move on. There's new people to be reached. There's a lost and dying world all around us. And we've always said that the church is going to keep right on going so that when that somebody or somebodies wakes up by the grace of God, like the prodigal, comes to himself and says, oh, I've sinned. I've, I looked at it the wrong way. I, I took the wrong attitude. Why did I do that? Now look at me. 
Things haven't gotten better. Things have gotten worse. I've sunk further into the miry field. You know, to me, it's like a child. The other day, last night, last night, I, um, Michael was tripping around and falling around and doing those things he does. And uh, uh, all of a sudden he stood up next to me, put his hand up. So I took his hand and I led him to where he needed to go. You know, that's how you have to realize that God, through the church, through the leadership, wants to take us by the hand. What seems so difficult to you and you're tripping over and rolling around over and stumbling over and sinking in the mire over, God has somebody appointed that can just be by the hand. They've already been there. They've already gone through it. They've already conquered that. And they can show you the way out. That they have your best interests at heart. That to replace contrariness with cooperation, you know, Guard your heart, the attitude. I've taught you over and over that a spirit is like the flu. And all of a sudden, you're not feeling so good. You know, and you get testy. You know, you get kind of irritable. You get kind of grumpy. Mr. Grumpy Pants. You know, you get, you get grumpy, you know. And you're just, you're just not operating in your best Holy Ghost self. And the, the oil, you know, the, the wise, they took the oil in their automobile, <laughs> in their vessel, with their lamps, you know. And uh, versus the unwise, the foolish, you ever read the Bible, he said, thou fool! Man, that scares me. Whew, I want to hear that. He had a different point of view from God. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. This is what's important to me, this is what's important to me. And he set about to go do that. And God said, thou fool! He said, this night, thy soul is required of thee. And then he said, then we'll see what's going to happen to all that stuff you cared about. So, I'm saying that to allow God to allow his church, to allow him to help you to see things, for God to let you in, for God to make you what we call part of the inner circle, you know, for you to prove yourself, prove yourself to where God begins to pull you in closer. I told you a very intimate thing about my pastor, how that get up, supposed to be in retirement, and how he would get up very early in the morning. He would go to a little back room in the house, and he would go in there to pray. And boy, am I glad he did, because I know he was praying for me. And uh, but I, and I gave, I think I gave the illustration, right? I used Henry. Okay, I'll use Artie. And, and how he told me this. He said, I opened the door to start to step into where I pray, and he said it was like I was grabbed, pulled in. Get in here. And he said, this, the, the Holy Ghost just pulled me in. And he said, boy, what a prayer I had that morning. You know? And that God, I'm saying, is trying to pull us in. God's inviting us in. Holy Ghost services. The power of God. The glory of God. God's trying to get you to be involved. God's trying to get you to see things from His point of view. You know, God sees it right. And He doesn't have ulterior motives. You know, some people do things because, most of the time, because there's something in it for them. Just remember, God without you, he's still God. 
You without God, you ain't nothing. <laughs> you know, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I happen to believe that. I, I trust you do too. Okay? So, you know, I was in a hospital, as we often find ourselves, praying for people. And um, as I came out of the room, having prayed for somebody, I looked across the expanse of the, there was three rooms to a, like a cul-de-sac, you know, boom, boom, boom. And as I looked across, as I was going out, I saw family in there and their, their son. And he looked to be in his 20s. And uh, he was, they had tied him down in the, in the hospital bed. And he was thrashing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, you can't help but look and think and, what is wrong with him? You know, just uncontrollably thrashing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, one place said, lest happily we be found to fight against God. You fight against God, you're thrashing. You're, you're going to find yourself in an unwinnable situation. I had an inspector in this town that rose up against the church here and uh, was over the building in South Bay. And uh, he was making a hard time. And I'm improving the building, and it's, it had been a rat's nest for years. Literally did have rats in there, literally had owls in there, and nests and wires running everywhere, hanging out, all kinds of things. And I'm improving this thing. We're making an investment. He gave me a hard time. And he was so blinded by a spirit that he walked over to the wall and he said, you've got to have firewall on this wall. Hit it just like that. And I was standing there and I said, what's firewall? And he said, firewall, three-quarter inch. And I said, that's what that is. And he went, oh, So blinded by a spirit, so enraged, that spirit was enraging him against God and God's good work and what was going on. And what did the Bible say? The devil blinds the mind. He couldn't see. Couldn't see what was right in front of him, something he's supposed to be qualified to know. You know? And uh, I confess to you, I, I wasn't familiar with the word firewall. I was familiar with the word drywall but I just wasn't familiar with the word firewall. And so, uh, but it's a wall to keep out fire. That's what it's for, to slow it down. And uh, they have different ratings. But anyway, he, uh, you know, he, he fought us and kept fighting us. And he told me, he said, preacher, he said, you need to fight a battle you can win. You know the old saying, don't fight City Hall, right? And uh and so I'm like, I looked at him, I said, I don't want to fight anybody. <laughs> I'm not wanting to fight. I don't want to fight anybody. I just want to build a building. I just want to finish the building. I just want to have church. And so, you know, it wasn't, I don't think it was 30 days. I think I'm being generous saying 30 days. He lost his job. Yeah, he lost his job. He was stealing from the city. And it came to light. He lost his job. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm fighting a battle, church family, that we can win. I'm fighting a battle we can win. The devil is a whipped foe. You hear me? He just won't admit it. He's just tripping people up, sending forth negative thoughts, trying to agitate trying to make for disputes and divisions and get one to be against another and this one to look at it this way and cause great deba debate, get another one to look at it another way. You know what? I'm, I'm working on a little thing. If we could just follow the lead of the senior pastor. Chapter and verse, follow me as I follow Christ. If we could just fall in line. The Bible talked about 
the children of Israel as an army. An army. And that in that army there were men that were famous. That they were becoming experts in what they did. They weren't just sitting around. You know, they were learning. They were growing. New Testament terminology. Growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to conclude as Sister Williams comes. You know, we, we tell people a lot of times about what a good church we have and what a good team we have and that they know how to do, take care of things. And uh, if I have to call, I remember I got a call and was asked to be in a meeting, to have a meeting and be in a meeting. And it was a Wednesday, and I'm like, church on Wednesday. But this rose to the level of emergency, and so I said, all right. And so I made a phone call or two, and, and everything was taken care of that Wednesday night. I didn't have to worry about anything. I knew that it would be. And so these were men that they weren't wasting their time. They weren't chasing boogers and earwax. They were paying attention. They were learning. They were growing in grace and knowledge. And, and they were leading people in the right direction when asked to. They knew, knew what direction to go. And in this uh, teaching from your Bible, in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts, I want to read to you in conclusion. said, I like this verse, verse 32, and we are witnesses of these things, and so also... And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Oh, my counsel. I want my counsel to be a counsel of peace. I want my counsel to be a counsel of going forward. I want my counsel to be the counsel of God. Okay? I don't want it to be to fight against God, to go contrary to the leadership, all right, then stood there up one of the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. See, the problem is they had, they had taken the apostles and they were coming against them. And they were telling them, we don't want you to do things the way you're doing it. Number one, we don't want you preaching or teaching in that name, Jesus Christ. We don't want you to do that. You might as well just say it this way. We don't want you baptized in that anymore. So, as I conclude here, he went on to say here, this doctor of the law, this Gamaliel, had in reputation. They put the apostles forth a little space and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, now this is this doctor of the law had in reputation. He's telling the rest of all the guys that are around, you know, the council. Da 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 disputing, complaining, arguing, fighting, whatever. Entertaining the wrong attitude. Said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed. To yourselves, what ye intend to do as touching these men. Because what you do is going to have an effect. For behold, or for before these days, rose up and he named a man. His name was Thaddeus, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. In 44 years, and going, I hope, strong, uh, I've seen people, the weeklies, the weekly have seen people, we've seen them rise up. We've seen them split off. We've seen them Take a different point of view. And you know what? Many of them are no more. 
Am I happy about that? No. I want you to live for God. I want your your life and your family and your home. I want to help you build a stronger situation. But these folks took a different point of view. They, they basically told the apostles, you're wrong, we're not doing it your way. And as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. And this, after this, after this man, the one that went to naught, led those people wrong, rose up one by the name of Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished and all, even as many as obeyed him were dispersed. Now this doctor of the law had in reputation. He says, and now I say unto you, refrain from these men, the apostles. Let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. He said, but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you be found even to fight against God. Everybody said, praise the Lord. It's so much better to realize what the teaching is here. He said, no reason. No reason. No reason for this fight. No reason for this dispute. No reason for this disagreement. No reason for complaining and arguing. No reason whatsoever. God's going to take us by the hand. God's going to get us on our feet. God's going to help us to go forward. God's going to see to it that this building gets finished. It's going to be open. And the devil hates it. He's fighting it tooth and toenail. I've told you that time and again. And so, wake up. There's a lion out there. (laughs) But there's a bolt of lightning coming, folks. I'm telling you. And God's going to whoop the socks off of the enemy. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a moment, worship Him. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Yeah! Come on.